0: Uh, what, let me make just one quick note of this. Uh, in, the, in the foundation today, it says that we have in-home Bible study tonight over at Bev and Ted's. That is actually incorrect. That is next Sunday night. So make a note of that so that um, Ted and Bev won't be expecting you tonight. <laughs> okay. So let's we'll move that out to next Sunday night when we're supposed to. Well, today is Baptist Men's Day. This is something that for years has been um, celebrated in uh, most of our Southern Baptist churches. I realize that this is not something that Cornerstone has done very much in the past. And um, where I came from, we did this every year. And uh, it's just a good opportunity to get to know some of your laymen a little bit better. And um, I think the Bible uh, tells us specifically that the men are the, uh, the head of the household. And and so we, we, we want to honor what the Bible says. And uh, I want to do that. So this morning, I've asked three of our men uh, to, to come and just give a short testimony about what uh, God has done in their lives. So first of all, It's our friend, our brother Keith Abrahamson. Keith.
1: (laughs) Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I just want to say God is pretty amazing. Um, Just in the fact that this morning, obviously, we're going to have three gentlemen talk today each of us giving our testimony. And it's funny how that kind of relates right into the children's time story about the three trees and uh, how Jesus Christ is kind of the carpenter. He's gonna mold us into what he needs us to be. And the experiences in our life is part of that, that process. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about that through my testimony today. So I do wanna introduce you, who I am. For some of you who don't know, my name's Keith Abrahamson. And uh, I'm going to ask you for your forgiveness and patience while I talk through this. I'm not a very well-spoken person as well as a speaker, so this to to me is terrifying. Uh, Even though you're all people I love and I know, it's just very difficult for me to do. So, um, So I just want to first state that I do believe in all my heart, my intellect, and the fire that's in each of our souls, that I know that Jesus Christ had died for my sins and our sins. And... And then I know that I don't deserve the kindness and forgiveness and love that he has given us. So, so I'm going to explain a little bit my my walk with Jesus Christ. Um, it kind of parodies or parallels some of the infamous poem that I've heard. I don't know if maybe you guys have heard of it, of the uh, footprints in the sand. Um, for some reason, when I read that and I think about that, it just rings loud to me. So for those who are not familiar with it, Um, It describes a person in a dream walking with Jesus in the sand and his and her life flashing in front of them in the sky. And this person looking back along the sand notices during the trial and tribulations of their life that they only saw one set of footprints. And then that person asked, "Why, why did Jesus abandon me during these times of need and tribulation? And Jesus answered, my child, I love you. I will never leave you. Never, ever, never, ever during your trials and testing. When you saw one set of footprints, it was then that I tr- carried you. I remember you that this poem, I remind you that this poem is not obviously biblical. It doesn't come from the scripture. Uh, but there is a lot of char- characteristic things that tie with that. And one of them examples I could find in Robertty, uh 131. And it states, in the wilderness, there you saw how the Lord, the God, carried you. And as a father carries his son, all the way you went until you reached this place. So some, some a lot of similarities there. Um, it's just a beautiful poem, and it hit home to me because um, as as my past as growing up had a child as a cha- had a challenging uh, upbringing. Uh, my mother was a single parent for most of my childhood. My biological father wasn't there. Uh, it was a very nice person, let's put it that way. My mom realized at some point in the circumstances it wasn't safe for me and my sister and left. Uh, she had to hold down two jobs, putting food on the table, and she provided everything, her heart and soul, in taking care of us. Um, and at that time, me and my sister would shuffle between babysitters um, to the point where I went we got into school. And about that time is when I got introduced to Jesus. I kind of knew the name what people did, kind of followed it, you know, kind of go through the, uh, the process. And if I just didn't know intellectually or in my heart, I knew who he was. Um, and my mom had a Catholic background, so um, that's where it kind of it, it started. But as I grew up, uh, my mom got remarried. Um, she, she fell in love with a man who was, um, who served his country for 22 years very start, smart man, very stubborn man, and very kindly man at, at times. Um, I have some of the most fondest memories of my childhood with during those years, but after some time, their relationship between my mother and my stepfather soured, and it became toxic, and then they, they kind of spilled in our relationship between a child and a parent, and they kind of put us in between all that. So unfortunately, um, that wasn't working out and so my mother and my father divorced and it got to a point at some of those points where you wouldn't want to go home you didn't feel safe you didn't want to be there there was no love there was no, uh, no safety There's, there was nothing there and so about that time my parents divorced got into high school uh, and I started to get really angry I was starting to rebel. I was starting to ask God, why? Why would you take this innocent child, my sister, and myself, and put us through this situation? Um, And I was starting starting to rebel. I was pushing back. I was trying to hurt God on purpose. And then something interesting happened. Uh, I met a friend, and he took me to this rock concert. And that was the first night I professed my faith to Jesus Christ. And it was the most scariest thing I had ever done, but the most relieving and most beautiful thing at the same time. Because I had to give up that anger, that hurt, that pain, and hand it over to him. And I didn't realize how it was affecting me uh, until I did that. Um, And then I could start seeing things I've never seen before. Uh, I started to understand a little bit of plan for him he had for me. And then, it started to heal a little bit. And then, the most beautiful thing happened. I met my wife. And uh, she started to teach me how to walk with Christ. And what it means to be a Christian. What it means to have God in the center of your life. And what to put that in the middle of your marriage. And then, to show you what it means to be, have a loving family what that relationship between a husband and wife should be. And then we had children. And that was the best gift ever. But um, he, did ch- he did challenge me. I still, have to, I still have to work at these things every day. And um, they have taught me a lot. They've they've told they've taught me how to deal with some of the problems I've had. You know, now I have to worry about things I've never had to worry about before. And at the end of the day, when you get to the end of your rope and you're like, I told you ten times to do this, and you get to that string, and then they look up at you and smile at you and say the most profound thing, your heart just melts, and you realize you realize there's a reason why God put you through these things. And that's not just because he wants to see you in pain or anything like that, but he knows that there's somebody out there that is going through the same thing you are, and you are that instrument to him to help that person, to bring love and compassion and healing in and, and show them that it's, you know, there's a purpose in their life. So that's not even close to what I wrote here. Um... <laughs> um but I also think he's a comedian. Um, <laughs> and so I say that because there's a lot of things that I, he puts in front of me that I see and that I have to laugh at because I know what I get worried about or anxious about or, or why this pain that we go through is just something you just have to give up. And he reminds me that every day because I told him, I prayed about, you know, I told him I was very stubborn, he knows this. I said, you've got to be very frank to me and, and then, oh, he, he does, so, but, um, so a lot of times when I, I think about that poem and I look back at my life and I close my eyes and I think about Jesus, I see myself as that child holding his hand, walking through that sand, and I look at those footprints again, and it brings me comfort to understand, to know that he's always going to be there for me. He's not going to give up on me. He's not going to let me go. And that gives me hope in myself, in my kids, my church, my family, my, my nation. So I hope you get something from this testimony today. Um, that, you know, just God's there. Jesus is there. Don't give up on him. He, won't give, he definitely won't give up on you. And there's always somebody there to help you through any trials and tribulations you may be having. Um, so thank you for listening.
0: Amen. Thank you, Keith. Let's stand for just a minute. Let's
2: sing a great song called In the Sweet By and Bang. By. Let's sing again. <laughs> There's a land that is fairer than day shore, we shall sing on that beautiful shore, the melodious songs of the blessed, and our spirit shall sorrow no more, not a sigh for the blessing of rest. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore sweet, by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore, to our bountiful Father above, we will offer our tribute of praise, for the glorious gift of his love, and the blessings that our sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore.
0: Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I want to introduce our brother Eddie. Eddie, come on up. Um, Eddie and Rebecca and their children have been Attending now for quite a few months, and uh, so glad to have them today. And Eddie has—they've um, made themselves fixtures here, and we're so happy to have them. So I asked Eddie if he would come and share with us a little bit this morning. Thank you.
3: Good morning. Good morning. Um, I've written everything down because if I don't, I'm just going to ramble and no tell where I'm going to go. But uh, sorry, I'm trying to eat this lifesaver before start talking Um, so and if I pause dramatically I'm trying to find my place because I can't read this very good so um, but Steve asked asked me to give testimony last week I was a little hesitant because I haven't been here long but I was thinking, he said, You know, God wants us to give testimony because it's not really our testimony. It's a testimony of God and His work in our lives. And it's a praise to God because He takes broken people and and makes these wonderful things out of them, uh, much like Keith was saying. And I think a lot of our stories are very similar uh, if we all just open up and talk about those things. But I grew up about 70 miles southeast of here in in Hampton County. Many of you may know Hampton County. It's near Colleton County. Um, Big thing down there is Watermelon Festival in June and going to Paris Island to see the Blue Angels. That's about the only exciting things that happen down there. But um, grew up down there much like anybody else would have grown up down there, rural. um, Just running through the woods, playing. Um, cultural knowledge of Christianity at the very least. Um, We were what you might have called worse off than most people. We didn't have a lot. Um, Even at times, we struggled to get the basic necessities, but we didn't know any different, so that was just normal for us. Um, So um, I'm fine with the minimalist. If I don't have what I need, it doesn't bother me. how God is, God's used that at different times in, in life, thankfully. Um, and we try to teach our kids that way, to be content with what we have, uh, to not expect uh, more than you deserve or need. But uh, <clears throat> my dad worked most of his life, has well, he's still alive, he's worked most of my entire life uh, for Ford at different dealerships. He worked in Walterboro, St. George, um, uh, down in uh, Charleston a little while um, my mom's a stay at home mom other than picking up occasional babysitting or whatever she she wasn't outside the house But so I spent a lot of time at home uh, she watched a lot of our, our cousins that lived nearby so we were I was always around family um, uh, I didn't know many people uh, outside of my family or my school for most of my adolescence so family was a big part of who I was and how I became who I was up to that point, much like anybody else, you know, for, for good and bad. Uh, there's a lot of good uh, that was in my family, but there was a lot that wasn't so good. Um, you know, it, looking back, uh, the dominating characteristics were broken relationships and selfishness and distrust, a lot of distrust and um, it seemed like in the dynamic of how things played out that our household, maybe not so much my dad or my mom, but at least at that time, felt like my sister and I were the ones that bore the brunt of a lot of stuff, of of the the inner family uh, finger pointing and bickering and stuff. So grew up a lot thinking I was doing a lot of stuff wrong, just always kind of guess the whipping boy at times. I don't have a monopoly on that in my family. There was enough of that to go around, but it just, as a child, that's how it feels to you. But I won't elaborate much more on that. We're all broken, and we all need a redeemer, so everybody's got a story to tell in that regard. But uh, I didn't spend much time in church as a child. Uh, My grandparents went to church. They're Christians. Um, Their kids, my dad and his siblings, they they were forced to go to church as a child, so they kind of shunned it as they got older. Um, more of that forcing you to go to church and letting the church save the kid instead of you forming the relationship and, and, and walking alongside the children. So that that's kind of pervades the, fam- the family history. And um, so I, I had no knowledge of, of Christ or of even why he died. I just knew that he had died, and I... I think I was probably like 11 before I realized that Christ was in Christmas. You know, it, it's just um, so I my knowledge was very superficial, and, and my concept of going to heaven was very much works-based that you had to be good enough, you had to be perfect, you had to be very pious. But uh, about the time I turned 13, my grandparents um, they left the Methodist church they were in, and we started attending a Baptist church not far from the house, and at that time, they started turning the screws and saying, you know, you need to get to church. And um, my dad, of course, he didn't want to get fussed at by him. So he told me to go to church so they would get off his back. So I went to church. But um, I got involved in the youth group, went occasionally. And that summer, summer I was, I was 13 that year, um, attended vacation Bible school. And about halfway through that week, uh the pastor came to the house to visit, and I didn't, I didn't understand why he was coming to visit. He just came to visit. But uh, about at, when all was said and done, he had led me through a prayer of repentance and accepting Christ in my heart. Um, I don't know that I really understood what I prayed at that point. It was he was uh, he was very evangelistic. Uh, he's a good man. He teaches not far, or preaches not far from here now. But so I. That occurred, uh, and later that summer we went on a planned trip uh, to uh, Somersault in White Oak. Many, some of you may know what that is, but it was it's a week long youth camp uh, by the South Carolina Baptist Association, and a man named Bill Cox at the time. But uh, so we went to that, and it was then that through the preaching and the worship and the small group. Uh, and just being around uh, other, other young people that I really started to understand what the gospel meant and understand that I was broken and that I, I needed a savior. I, really the, the Holy Spirit, I felt the Spirit working. So between that week and that Sunday when we got back home I accepted Christ and made a profession of faith that Sunday. And so it wasn't long after that I was baptized. I was discipled by the pastor for a while um, through the survival kit pamphlet. I don't know if they still do those, but that's what what they were giving kids at that time. Um, But I wasn't discouraged from being a Christian at home, but I wasn't encouraged either. So it kind of just, I don't want to say atrophy, but I just plateaued where I was and I stayed there for, a while, so it's kind of yeah. I know God. I'm a Christian. I go to church and I hang out with my friends at youth group. Um, somewhere there between 11th and 12th grade, um, God really did something, and I just I got on fire for God there. My senior year of high school, spent time with the pastor, uh, going into in-depth Bible studies. Um, I had applied to uh, Clemson for the engineering program, and that. January of my senior year I got my acceptance um, it's the only place I applied to so I'm glad they responded uh, I don't know what my fallback would have been but I actually hemmed and hawed and Rebecca will tell you this I hemmed and hawed at the last minute before I make a decision a lot of times but um, I had until April to decide and I was trying to decide was I going to go to Clemson or was God calling me to seminary for, for some ministry I, I had no idea um, ended up going to Clemson um, at just i don 't think God was calling me to, to ministry it just, I went, ended up going to Clemson studying and getting an engineering degree. Um, college was once I left home, went to college, I was out of my accountability zone um, I wasn't a wild man, um, but I wasn't seeking God, and I just kind of did my own thing. I didn't, have a, didn't hang out with Christians, although three of my four roommates that I had in college have, have since become Christians. I don't know they're because of me, but they've become Christians. Um, so I, I just kind of enjoy being a young single man away from home, sleeping late, eating whatever you wanted. And going to school um, but God it's amazing how faithful God is that looking back I, he still sent people constantly in my path to bring me back and each time I would i would brush it off I would know there was conviction there that I needed to but I would just brush it off but God kept sending at least four people uh, one a year at least uh, to come and, uh, and bring me back but I, I didn't but um, God's not going to be denied, you know, when, when he wants something. Uh, so I was in one, I'm, that January, I moved to Hickory, uh, take a job there. Um, very quickly, I was isolated and alone because I was out of my college comfort zone. I was in an area where I knew nobody. Nobody had an interest in getting to know me, so it was just kind of me. And... Um, there's a much longer discussion I could have on that on a lot of the details and my baggage, but suffice it to say, God pretty much just slapped me side of the head and used this period to break me down and make me realize that, uh, my way wasn't going to work. I couldn't do things my way and expect things to turn out good. So, um, about that time, a coworker asked me, uh, if I would come to church with him and his family, so I say, "Sure, I did, and uh, got plugged into a young adults group, a great group of young people, um, uh, just really had good accountability and, and good Bible study, uh, good people to hang around. Um, so I said that was two thousand and one, uh, and we know in September we had the terrorist attack and the economy tank, so I was laid off and November of that year so I went back home uh, to regroup look for work and I did I actually worked with the youth and the church back home but it was a year and three months I was home Um, looking back it was a good time it was another one of those times when God teaches you faith uh, and patience and uh, just does his work and I can see how God uh, worked and led me through that but uh, I ended up moving to Durham Uh, later that next year uh, for a job I had up there and um, funny, kind of the same thing happened I got up there, got isolated, I was alone and I kind of did my own thing again Um, although God didn't have to work as hard to bring me back, I knew someone from Hickory that had gone to college in Chapel Hill, which was right near where I was and she recommended a church that I ended up attending Um, and I ended up going there and um through a Bible study there I met a lot of the, what would be the core group of friends I would had And eventually my wife, Rebecca Met her at the Bible study there And um, it was just a great church Where uh, a lot of people invested in me uh, It was a time where I grew in a lot of ways And where I began to learn how to wield leadership And how to love people that weren't like me uh, That was a big thing um, You know, growing up in the South, where everybody's just like you, church is very compartmentalized. You're not exposed to a lot of different things. And, um, and the Bible Church was st- still a, really a very wealthy church, but there were a lot of different people and different things. And a lot of people I knew, I learned how to love people that had sins that I wouldn't have thought that I would associate with uh, at times. But I've, I've learned to love the, the sinner and not the sin. Um, one thing God taught me. Uh, Rebecca and I got married, started our uh, family there in North Carolina, and um, she's the, ult- your wife, your spouse is your ultimate accountability partner, that, that's that's uh, who Rebecca is for me. But um, we uh, had Emma. Emma, Emma and Claire were born in North Carolina. And uh, it wasn't long before we moved down here, and um, we've just been uh, living life here, uh, trying to raise our kids. But I I will say that what God's taught me and what I've learned, um, I've learned a lot through my children. Uh, I've gotten a new perspective on God since becoming a parent because uh, things that uh, you don't think about, you think about much differently when you're a parent. And you actually see a lot of parallels between the relationship with your kids and your relationship with God. Because your kids will sit there and cry and pitch a fit when you're telling them to do something that's good for them. And we do the same thing to God. Or tell God we're not going to do something. Or we scream constantly, you want milk, when it's already on the way, you know, kind of. But so uh, I'll say that um, my testimony is not one of a dramatic conversion or any kind of severe trials, um, but it's one of how God calls people out of lostness and pursues them diligently even when they do not respond or reciprocate. And uh, it's a story of how faithful Christians, like people in my youth group, youth leaders, And my buddy who invited me to church how people like that in simple acts that seem insignificant how God uses those to work mightily and can change a life and get a life back on track he seeks us even when we don't seek him and he doesn't give up on us and we should praise him for that he provides and blesses even if we don't appreciate it his way is better and more secure than my way and I praise the Lord that he's in control and not me. And I'll close by saying that Romans eight twenty eight is very resounding in my testimony, in that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose.
0: Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. Brother Bill, I'm going to ask you if you will come on, and um, ask uh, Brother Bill Aiden to close our testimony time this morning. And uh, so, Brother Bill, come and speak as the Lord lays
4: it on you. Good morning to everybody. Uh, my name is Bill Aiden. I think I know most of you, but there may be a couple people in here who I do not know. Uh, My wife and I, Van, have been coming to Cornerstone. We're starting our fifth year. That's hard to believe. We came here at the end of 2015. Uh, We came to Aiken to retire from the West Palm Beach, Florida area. And I just want to say how encouraged I am to see Keith and Eddie, two young men in our church with young families, come up here, and talk about their walk with the Lord. Uh, For me, there's nothing more uplifting and encouraging than seeing young people or younger people, certainly younger than me, I'm getting pretty old at this point, uh, see young people who have figured out that the best way to live this life is by being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And that is very, very encouraging. And by the way, they're dressed a lot better than me this morning, too. (laughs) Uh, The first thing I would say to you is that if you are praying for a loved one to come to know the Lord, and God hasn't answered that prayer, don't give up. I didn't get saved until I was 50 years old. Uh, and I know that my parents and my brother and my sisters and probably many people that I don't even know were praying for me for a long time to come to salvation. Uh, And in fact, both of my parents were dead before I got saved. But what does the Bible say? There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who don't need to repent. So I know my parents are up in heaven rejoicing over my salvation. So don't stop praying for loved ones that aren't saved just because God hasn't answered your prayer yet. It took God 30 plus years to answer the prayers of those people who were praying for my salvation, but he did. So don't give up. The second thing I would say to you is that God uses very ordinary people to accomplish His will. And no matter how unqualified you may feel, God can and will use you if you step out in faith. I got saved in July of 2001 and during Thanksgiving of that year I participated in an outreach with my church in a place called Indiantown, Florida. We went out there to minister to migrant farm workers. And one of the people who is in my who was in my group asked me if I would present the gospel. Now keep in mind, this was two or three months after I got saved. If I would present the gospel to a group of children out there using wordless colored cards, black for sin, Red for the blood of Jesus, I think it was white for purity, yellow for heaven, and green for growth. And you would use those cards to explain the gospel to children. And I sat where I was, completely terrified at the thought of doing that. And I finally said to the person that asked me, I I can't do this, I'm not qualified to do this. And I, and I did not do that. But a year later, I volunteered to co-teach a men's discipleship program, a nine-month men's discipleship program called Top Gun. And eventually, I took over being responsible for that program for Top Gun, seeing hundreds of men, I went to a very large church, seeing hundreds of men complete that program. And today I'm a Sunday school teacher here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. I tell you these things not to draw attention to myself or to brag, but simply to let you know through my personal experience that if you will step out in faith, God will use you. So. Just keep that in mind and don't ever think that you can't be used by God. I grew up in a Christian home in Nebraska and Montana. I went to church, I was, I, we were, my family was Lutheran. I went to church from my earliest days through early, earliest, the start of my college period when I left home and moved to Denver, Colorado. And by the time I graduated from college in 1969, I had stopped going to church completely and spent very little time thinking about God and uh, or anything about him. And I, by the way, I, when I went to church in, as a youth, I was not saved, I now know that. Uh, so I began to drift away from church, as I said, in, in, in college and, and for 30 plus years, from 1969 until the summer of 2001, I was a man of this world. I looked to myself and my own abilities to solve the problems and difficulties that I faced. I had little compassion for others. I wasn't generous toward others. I was cynical and negative in many respects. I did not share my thoughts with anyone. I thought no one said, no one got myself into this, I need to get myself out of it. I was focused on me and what I wanted and when I wanted it. The older I got, the more, difficult, more difficulty I had finding peace or contentment in my life. I looked for those things mostly when I was excessive use of alcohol. Then in June of 2001, I was introduced to Christ Fellowship Church in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida by my son. That's where I met Van. That's where I got baptized and got married, all on the same day, by the way. Uh, That's where week in and week out, I heard the word of God being preached. That's where I became friends with godly men who were able to model for me what it looked like to be fully devoted to Christ in my life. Thank heaven for those men. Eddie mentioned the youth members that helped him. Uh, I'll never forget the feelings and emotions that overcame me the second or third time I attended Christ Fellowship. I was literally a broken man. So in July of 2001, I recommitted myself to Jesus and truly accepted him as my personal savior. That radically changed my life. I repented. I was going in that direction most of that time from 1969 till 2001. And in 2001, I started going in that direction. I literally turned 180 degrees in every important aspect of my life. I began to realize so many things that I did not know or took for granted prior to uh, becoming a Christian. God had been very faithful to me, even when I turned my back on him. God had blessed me immeasurably, even though I had turned my back on him. God's grace and mercy were a gift he had freely given me through his son, Jesus Christ, and that covered my sins. I could not do anything to earn that forgiveness. God had a plan for my life, and that plan, to this day, is being executed according to his sovereign will and his time frame. I have absolutely nothing to do with that. And I've learned that God will never leave me or forsake me, no matter what's going on in my life. The difficulties that I face are intended to help me grow and mature as a Christian. And by the way, most of the the most difficult challenges I've had in my life have occurred since I've become a Christian. But God always provides a way out of these things. If you'll just be patient and have the faith uh, to, to stick with him, he will provide a way out. God's given us a set of commands, I realize this now, God's given us a set of commands to live our life by. And those commands are not burdensome, they're meant to keep us out of harm's way. I am now more outwardly focused on others instead of inwardly focused on myself. I now have a strong desire to give and to help others and to serve in various ministries in my church. By God's grace, I no longer indulge in excessive drinking. I quit in July of 2001. By God's grace, I don't curse anymore. I quit in July of 2001. Again, I tell you that not to draw attention to myself. I just want you to know that the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life can do amazing things. I quit drinking and cursing overnight. And by any standard definition, I now know I was an alcoholic. I wasn't a falling down in the gutter drunk. I was a functioning alcoholic. I just didn't know it at the time. And God plucked me out of that and made me realize I needed Him in my life. God gets the glory for my transformation. I don't. I have a desire to read and study the Bible. I love teaching. My spiritual gifts are administration. I'm an accountant, that shouldn't surprise anybody. Are, but their administration, and second is teaching. I love teaching. It's very, very rewarding to me. I pray regularly, and I know that God answers my prayers. I want to be holy like Jesus is, I truly do. I know I fall short of that every day, but that's my goal. Most of all, I found peace and contentment and peace of mind uh, that can only come and only came when I gave my life to Jesus. Because of his call on my life, I eventually turned toward Jesus and ran to him. I quit running away from him. A good deal of my life I was running away from him, even though I felt his call on my life. I still ignored it and ran away from him. And he turned a drunk and a blasphemer into a Sunday school teacher and a deacon. He gets the glory for that. That's his work. He can do anything to help any, you, anything that you think you've done, any sin you think you've committed that God can't forgive you for, he can, he absolutely can. Don't ever think it's too late to turn to God. It's not. If you're sitting here this morning and you feel the call of the Holy Spirit on your life, the best thing you can possibly do is give in to that and say, Yes, Lord, I need you. The words of arguably the most well-known hymn in the Christian faith kind of sum up my story. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Colossians 1, 21 through 23 says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out by the gospel. Thank you.
0: Amen, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Eddie Keith. Thank all three of you guys. Folks, this morning you've been challenged. Um, each of these men have testimony that they've shared with you. Uh, the testimony is, is much different in some ways, but in some ways it's the same. And what I mean by that is, is they all know Jesus Christ is their personal Savior, and they all came to a saving knowledge of Him. And for Bill, it was late in life. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe God's been tugging at you all of this time, and and maybe he's just been wanting you to, to accept him as your Savior, and you've never taken that step. Well, Let me encourage you today. Don't leave here today with that burden on your heart. You can leave here a changed person. Jesus loves you, and he wants to save you. And the thing of it is, for all three of these men, and for me personally, Jesus took us all just as we are. You can come to Him exactly like you are today, and He will accept you in this morning. Let's we'll sing this hymn.
2: Just as I am. Let's sing. Just as I am.
0: Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, it's been such a great day in the Lord today, and we know that uh, God has spoken through these men. I hope that something that was said has touched your heart this morning. Uh, just remember our church. Uh, we've got so many that are dealing with illnesses and so many different things. You can look around and tell that we're very slim this morning, people just not feeling well. So please just pray a hedge of protection around Cornerstone that, uh, that nobody else will be affected by these uh, flu bugs and the things that are going on and that the ones that don't have it We'll soon be better by it, so thank you if you would do that. But thank you for being here, and uh, no service tonight over at uh, Bev and Tess, but we will meet Wednesday night as normal. Brother Ray Timmons, would you close us in prayer, please?